0: K-U-C-I. KUCI. Ima ki ite KUCI eighty point nine FM KUCI.
1: Estás escuchando la KUCI
0: We KUCI.
2: You're listening to eighty-eight point nine FM KUCI in Irvine. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is December 27th on Ask a Leader. I'm Claudia Shambaugh, your host for this last show of 2011. Good morning. Thank you for tuning with us here in the Radio KUCI today. I want to welcome you to my program where we're going to do um, a little cultural affairs business with you. And then we'll do some reflection a bit about this year as well as uh, what we need to keep our eyes on in the following year. Um, it's been a pleasure for this time of the year. Um, like What I did last year is to bring to your attention some cultural bills of fare, as I was saying, and we'll split it up a little bit last week, a little bit this week, and then we'll take up some more, um, again, into the new year next year. So to begin this portion of the program, my first and my only guest today is Lisa Silagi, Director of Education and Public Programs at the Orange County Museum of Art. Lisa, educated at the Rhode Island School of Design, has worked in museums across the country, including the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts, and the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art in Kansas City, Missouri. Lisa has been twice awarded the Art Museum Educator of the Year by the National Art Education Association once in 2005 at the DeCordova Museum and Sculpture Park that's in Lincoln that's a mass right outside of Boston and the second time was this year she comes to us today from Laguna Beach welcome to ask a leader Lisa Thank you so
3: much Claudia
2: I'm glad that you could be on and lead the way today with what is going on currently, the two lively exhibits at the Orange County Museum of Art. First, there is the lovely, the State of Mind, New California Art, circa 1970. Those are some lively photos and graphics that are are going on there. Can you talk to us about that?
3: Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. So State of Mind, New California Art, circa 1970, is really the most comprehensive exhibition on the emergence of conceptual art, which is really uh, the premise that the idea of the art, the concept, is more important than a finished aesthetic product. And the show actually is very lively. It has a sense of humor. Uh, It's obviously historical in nature. And it is part of the Getty Initiative, Pacific Standard Time. So it really celebrates... The practices of young artists in the late 60s, early 70s here in northern and southern California and what those artists were experiencing at the time and how they experimented with artwork that wasn't made in the studio, but that was made in the street or filmed. There's body art, performance art. It's a really interesting show.
2: Very good, and um, that is going on until january twenty two so folks you 've got time to get there um, and and see Absolutely. all of this and it 's the pacific standard time is i mean we've been we 've been touching a little bit on it with the previous shows, but this is this is a chance you can uh, folks you can jump on your bike, you can jump on a bus, you can carpool. You can cruise your in your own vehicle over to here. It's very proximate, very fresh, and um, it was a coup to get some of these things here. I imagine.
3: Yeah, Karen Moss and Constance Llewellyn—they were the co-curators of this exhibition, and um, there are over a hundred and fifty works. So there's a lot to see. There's a lot of ephemera. So there are, there are a lot of artist books and photographs. Because again. If a work is temporary, if it's created as a performance, all we have left is the documentation of what might have occurred in, say, 1969 or 1970. And we've also had a series of lively artist talks, um, and we'll also be having our last Every second Sunday of this exhibition, upcoming in January,
2: and when you talk about that, I was going to ask later on, but it's come up now. As uh, the January first is on a Sunday, that's the does that consider the first Sunday? So the free Sunday is on January eighth.
3: That's right. Okay. Every second Sunday, yeah. Every second Sunday of the month, uh, we open our doors free of charge uh, to families and people of all ages. We have things like artist talks. Uh, gallery tours, performances, and there's lots of art making. And it all connects with the works on view. So we try to make sure that the activities are relevant to each changing exhibition.
2: And it's a it's a very lovely setting. I want to make sure everybody knows how to get there. It's right there on San Clemente Drive, 850 San Clemente Drive, in Newport Beach, just hugging the... Um, the per, the periphery of Fashion Island, so there's a that's a, a, right. cl- a soul cleansing thing to do nearby that <laughs> the uh, the that's all right. on commercial after all
3: of your shopping
2: yes after or maybe maybe in lieu of some of that shopping or maybe without that shopping at all it just so that's, I like
3: that idea Claudia
2: well I well that's I, I'm going to talk about the that lovely gallery that's over at South Coast Plaza that also restores the soul but that's going to be after you have to haul off to your meeting after this interview. Now, so that's the, uh, the State of Mind uh, New Cal- uh, going on until January 22. Also ongoing at the Orange County Museum of Art is the the exhibit known as Two Schools of Cool going on also till January right. 22. Can you tell us, Lisa, a bit about that exhibition?
3: Sure. Two Schools of Cool is a really interesting concept. Um, This concept was birthed by our curator, Sarah Bancroft, and what she did is um, she asked rather established Los Angeles artists to work with a new generation of artists, a younger generation of artists, to pair up in teams. So there were ten artists, five teams of two, and she asked them to work together and create a new artwork. So the show is really about risk-taking. It's about collaboration, working together together. Um, And Sarah did a unique thing. You know, usually curators uh, decide what the exhibition will be. They select a body of work from an artist. But this show, she really relinquished her authority and trusted the artists to make choices together. Uh, And it's really, it's a wonderful show. It's very whimsical. It's very interesting because some of the pairs of artists are responding to each other's work uh, in wall labels. And other artists have created brand new works together. There's even an interactive work where the public can come in and move objects around, which is something rare you don't often get to touch when you're in an art museum.
2: Oh, yes, and those those are amazing. I, I've capitalized on those when I'm able to to uh, bring younger uh, audiences as well as uh, you know skeptics and uh, you know, th- those that are just not sure what they want how they want it take on some contemporary work and it's uh, it's it's terrific and i'm i'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that um it, we have as i said till well, january 22 and we yes you were saying lisa right.
3: well what's really interesting too about the piece that you can touch you know when we're at an art museum we all want to touch including the staff and we know that we can including so my kinesthetic Baldwin,
2: daughter my i'm sorry my kinesthetic uh learning daughter can't resist. I, I finally figured out that's what it was going on. Not that she just didn't know how to follow directions, but it's it's a, and for some, it's an inborn need to to have a tactile connection with that. But you were saying, I'm sorry, Lisa. Go ahead.
3: That's absolutely true of a kinesthetic learner. Lots of people learn best by doing. So you know we, we have to we have to monitor ourselves when we're in a museum. And what's so great about this exhibition is that John Baldessari and Shayna Lutker put together um, a collaborative piece that allows the public to be part of the piece.
2: And you were going to say something else before I was talking about my my little sphere of the world. <laughs>
3: uh, and also, Robert Williams and Ed Moses, two really interesting artists, one more of a, a realist painter um, and one steeped in abstractions. And their works are side by side, and they sort of curate each other's works, and they talk about how they appreciate the other sensibilities. So it's kind of a unique show. It's a different perspective.
2: Wow. That's that's a real treat. And that, that's the point of having this kind of program this this time of year is because I want for people who are lucky finally to have a bit of leisure, maybe leisure when they didn't book it and travel, that um, you can take the moment over um, at the Orange Can Museum of Art and see these lively contemporary um, works of art collaborations to, um, uh, you know, enrich and lighten the soul.
3: And what, what I think is so interesting, Claudia, about contemporary art is that we don't have the luxury of history to tell us uh, how to look at something or what to think about something. And that can be kind of frightening, but it can also be really liberating. Yes. You know, oftentimes the artists are dealing with issues of our time, and sometimes I think they're a little bit further ahead than we are. So they sort of force us to stretch our thinking. Indeed. Know they really force us to, to sort of be a little more introspective and and, and and think about what this work might mean to us rather than an expert telling us what it might mean. Do you
2: have, as the education director there, any? Uh, can you tell us a bit about the the uh, patrons that have, have been filing in there, and what's been going on with that? Their interaction with this uh, exhibition slash installation.
3: Well, you know, there's a really delightful uh, sculpture uh, in the lobby of the museum, and it's called the Sound of Ice Melting, and it, it's literally large cubes of ice. Uh, with speakers and amplifiers and microphones leaning down to the ice. And I really love to see the children look at this piece, Uh, and at first they're just perplexed, and then they walk over to try to listen to the sound of ice melting, and they walk over to the speakers to try and hear the sound of ice melting. So everybody responds to the work in different ways, but again, one of the things that Karen Moss wanted to stress about this work is that it often has a sense of humor, You know, that it's
2: okay to laugh. It's okay to enjoy. A good time to do that. Good time to do that.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: For those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Lisa Sigali Silagi. Silagi. Silagi, correct? Silagi. Silagi. And is that Hungarian? It is. Ah, oh, I wonder. Uh, she's director of education and public programs at the Orange County Museum of Art and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine streaming to you live on kuci.org. So, that is what's going on and I think what before we talk about exhibits contemplated for the um the for for January through June of this next year, Could you tell us about public programs that are going on currently, Lisa?
3: Sure. Our public programs consist of our free second Sundays, primarily for families, every second Sunday of the month. um, We hold a family day. It's free to all, not just families, and it includes tours Artist performances, a lot of art making activity, music, etc. It's a really fun day. Lots of people come out. It's very lively. It's a great time to check out the show. Uh, and in addition to that, we yes. also have what we call Eclectic Saturdays, um, and they are geared for an adult audience primarily. And we bring together artists on the stage that are in the exhibition, and they talk about their work. So, for example, on Saturday, January 14th, we're going to have a really interesting um, second uh, eclectic Saturday. Ed Herms and Sarah Kane will be speaking. And they are two artists that were paired up in the exhibition, Two Schools of Cool. So they're going to talk about what it was like to work together, what compromises did they have to make, what surprises came out of being allowed to just create a collaboration on your own with very few filters.
2: And what time on the 14th of January is this going to be at?
3: 2 o'clock.
2: At 2 p.m., okay.
3: Yes, but most of our eclectic Saturdays run 2 to 4 p.m. Okay. We'll also be having another eclectic Saturday on Saturday, January 21st, Um, and that's going to be with Ed Moses and Bob Williams, and they'll be talking about their creative process together uh, in two schools of pool.
2: Very, very good. Well, we um, also must note that there will be an auction that will take place. I'd like for you to take an opportunity to tell our listeners of what's in store and, when, and tell us to, to what these proceeds will be going.
3: Okay. Well, the proceeds primarily benefit the museum and the education programs. Uh, we need to make sure that we are creating dynamic, uh, engaging, Uh, interventions for the public to come and learn about contemporary art. So we're gearing up now for what we're calling 50 years forward. Oh, yes, let's mention that.
2: Yes, that's the anniversary. I almost forgot to bring that up in the beginning. Sorry.
3: That's right. No, that's fine. The Orange County Museum of Art is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and we're really looking forward to a series of events around our 50 years. So this is the year of 2012. We will be holding an auction And the art auction is titled 50 Years, 50 Artists, because we have um, generously been given, donated artworks by artists that are either in our permanent collection or have shown at the museum or have some sort of significant relationship with the Orange County Museum of Art. And the list is really impressive. And just to name a few, artists Eleanor Anton, Tony DeLapp, Richard Diebenkorn, Mary Heilman, Catherine Opie, Ed Ruscha, Bill Viola, and Patrick Wilson. Uh, the list is, is is fifty wonderful artists, and it's it's going to be an incredible auction. It's going to be conducted by Christie's, and there's going to be dinner, and then a live auction of the major works, and also a silent auction. So that's Saturday, February 11th, starting at 6 p.m.
2: And are there tiers of um? participation for people that uh some people have a little less to spring for than others can is there a way that uh, people can um partake uh with a you know a, a lesser sort of entrance fee
3: Yes um well there's the silent auction and to get more information about um the tickets you can call 949759 one one two two that's the general two four zero
2: extension 240 the general the numbers on the web
3: all the information
2: Yes 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 I'm sorry that that extension 240 there on the the line that the general line that is there on the website 9497591122 so by uh, calling that you were saying that they can find out more about different um how they can go to silent auction versus other the the whole on gala kind of a thing so that we can make sure everybody knows they have a way of getting in there and participating and contributing to a 50-year anniversary of a cultural institution here. That's a big one in Orange County.
3: It is. It's really exciting.
2: And so um, that's two generations worth I'm trying to count here. So I'm wondering if around this celebration we can, you can have two generations talking about supporting that museum over that celebration. You
3: know, it's a really interesting idea. Recently we had uh, the woman who founded the docents at the Orange County Museum of Art come and speak, and we asked docents throughout the years also to come up and talk about their experiences touring the public and touring children in the art museum, and it was really wonderful. There's a lot of history, a lot of people that you know really care about this institution. And I think that the Orange County Museum of Art um, has really been a pioneer in Orange County in terms of modern and contemporary art, yes. uh, has really shown itself to show a, a rigorous exhibition schedule. You know, we have such fine exhibitions for a museum of our size, and that's what people often say to me when I tell them that, you know, I'm from the Orange County Museum of Art. They say, you know, your exhibitions are really outstanding, and it's true. So I feel very proud that you work for an institution that takes scholarship very seriously.
2: And you mentioned that Richard Diebenkorn uh, will be a part of the, of the fundraiser. He's also going to be... Um, in a, uh, an exhibit in uh, from starting February 26th going into the end of May, probably like the Memorial Day weekend. Could you talk about his Ocean Park series that he'll be uh, exhibiting then in the, the late winter and uh, near summer?
3: Sure. This is really a much-anticipated exhibition. Um, Richard Devencourt in the Ocean Park series is it's on view February 26th to May 27th. Um, It's going to be an absolutely gorgeous, just aesthetically stunning show. Um, It right now is at the uh, Modern Art Museum of Fort Worth, and it will be coming to the Orange County Museum of Art. And Sarah Bancroft, our curator, uh, created a gorgeous exhibition catalog of these paintings, drawings, and uh, prints, as well as collages. Um, it comes from a 20-year series that Richard Diebenkorn worked on while he was living in Ocean Park. And so the work is really central to place. Um, you can see in many of the works reflected the light of Southern California. Um, the ocean, their beautiful abstract paintings, drawings, prints, and collages of his time in Ocean Park. And what makes this exhibition really significant is it will be the most comprehensive show to date of David Korn's body of work, the Ocean Park series. So we're going to be presenting more than 75 Ocean Park works. That many in this series has never been seen collectively. So that's what really makes it significant. Uh, But the work itself, like I said, um, it's just gorgeous. It's the work at the end of his life. Um, It's mature work. It's really sublime. And opening weekend, we're going to have Richard Diebenkorn's daughter, Gretchen Diebenkorn, come and talk with us about her father, uh, what he was like, his artistic practices and influences. And what's really nice about it is uh, she'll also give us a personal perspective on what he was like as a dad and what it was like to grow up with Richard Diebenkorn.
2: Well, I'd say that's a send-up to the whole anniversary idea with the, uh, the two generations and all that. I think that's a pretty succinct and elegant, so I hope you'll be able to run with that and drive that through. What? So it was the family that donated one of his pieces of, of um, art to the
3: auction? Oh, actually, the work that's in the auction, I'm not sure the provenance of that work.
2: Okay, but somehow. One... Uh, but yes,
3: there will be a Devan in, in the auction.
2: Okay, okay, and then another. And also,
3: we're going to um, we're going to be having an interactive space at the uh, auction for the public in conjunction with Devan Corn. Oh, with so it'll the be at the museum, yes, in the exhibition where people can see a video of Richard Devan the artist, talking about his work. Um, There'll be a timeline and industry, and there'll also be a reading area for people to sit and enjoy and contemplate.
2: Very, very good. Well, um, for those of you who've just tuned in, we're uh, talking with Lisa Saladi. A director of Education and Public Programs at the Orange County Museum of Art. And she's going over the um, exhibits that will be coming up at the museum. We've talked about some of the current exhibits. And the um, the second contemplated uh, exhibit for the year, starting in June, end of June, going to past Labor Day, it's the 10,000x Jack Goldstein. What is that about, Lisa?
3: Jack Goldstein, this, this exhibition is organized um, by our museum, and it's the first American retrospective of the artist Jack Goldstein. Um, he was a central figure in postmodernism. Um, and also what what makes this show interesting is that it's going to highlight um, the breadth of media that the artist employed. Um, he was involved in sculpture, performance, film, photography, uh, recorded sound effects, and, of course, paintings. Um, The exhibition is going to include two large installations, um, 20 Goldstein films produced from 1971 to 83, and then a representative selection of about 22 paintings. So this show is curated by our director, Dennis Vakas, and um, we're very much looking forward to it. And that will be on view through the summer. So that's June 24th to September 9th.
2: Very good. Very good. And so... um, I wanted. I know you have a meeting shortly. Uh, is there uh, other business here um, for people to take note of at the for the fiftieth year? Now, when does the actual celebration for the anniversary um, is when is that scheduled to start?
3: Well, it's for it's it's twenty twelve, um, and we we kick off with our um, February eleventh art auction, and then from there. Um, we will be opening Richard Corn, and we also have our annual fundraiser, The Art of Dining, which will be taking place Saturday, June 2nd, and that starts at 6 p.m., and that's also a benefit uh, for the museum. And um, Friday, June 22nd is our gala preview dinner for Jack Goldstein, as I mentioned earlier. Yes. And then Friday, October 5th, all the way into October now, We'll have a gala preview dinner for another exhibition in conjunction with the fiftieth, O C Collects. Ah And so this will be an exhibition of work from the most important private modern and contemporary art collections in Orange County, so we can celebrate our own generous collectors.
2: You know my obvious you know the next question we're gonna ask is Joan Irvine Smith's collection gonna get rated for this?
3: Oh. I can't say i i' I, will, I wouldn't be able to
2: answer that question well we can we can certainly try to um envision I know she has a lot to say and do she's had a lot to do with building various institutions that have nothing to do with real estate and that uh-huh. that um and it's an enormous collection she has I guess it's a matter of negotiating insurance coverage there, but I think um I think in her keeping with her charter that um, she might want to part with a couple of, uh, of some of those amazing things that she's collected for that. So mo- wouldn't
3: we can that say- be wonderful? You know, we're, we're still in the midst of contacting and, um, you know, creating works um, and the collectors that will be in that show.
2: And what would be the criteria for OC Collects?
3: Oh, it's it, it simply um, excellent work. Of modern and contemporary art that's been collected by Orange County collectors.
2: Okay, so it could be made by anybody anywhere else.
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: Now I'm I'm just wondering, and the well, I I can think of all sorts of possibilities. And maybe would there be a youth contribution to this? Are you like a sort of a special gallery for for either young collectors or collectors with very young, um, upcoming artists?
3: Well, we won't have any um, works from children in OC Collects, but we are working with, we partner with several um, schools and bring those students into the exhibitions and they create works of art. In fact, we've started a new collaboration, a partnership that we're excited about with um, a local school called Harbor Day. And we do a multi-visit program with about 200 students from that school, um, and they come in and look at works with us and create works of art.
2: Well, that will be a, a wonderful part of um, this large sort of commemoration here for uh, the collecting. And maybe maybe you will also talk about what collecting means, what's the role of the collector. Uh, and that kind of thing. I imagine that's going to be some kind of a summary on the wall to read, that kind of a thing. So it'll be, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to some extremely original ways that this is put together with that opportunity being extremely original. So And, and O.C. Collects also could be from any time period that um, th- the work could be coming.
3: Well, it would be modern and contemporary art. Okay. So, so we're looking at really 20th century and 21st century works of art. Okay. Uh, but your your point to the impulse to collect is a really interesting one, because, you know, many of us have collections, whether it's, you know, bottles to... Uh, I remember I heard once a woman who collected cat whiskers. You know, people have this impulse to collect, and we will be exploring that, because everybody has the capacity to... Uh, look at something, find value in it, be it a pebble or a work of art, and collect things, and that brings us joy. So that will be very much a part of the show, and we'll be asking people to participate and share about their collections.
2: All right, I'm looking forward to all of that, and we'll uh, try to do later in the year tr- give a sort of a, a renewed attention to this as uh, other subjects are caught, co- you know, covered. And meanwhile, so um, we'll try, Lisa, to get back with you when uh, you know we're at the the cusp of some of these things opening up and maybe or we can make some PSAs for you and that kind of a thing so we'll we'll have a lot to talk about that in uh, not so far future well I wish you success in uh, pulling off a, a tremendous 2012 goodness knows and f- since 50 years seems like such a long time in Orange County that means a cultural art institution uh, has a, a real responsibility to p- keep putting a there there in Orange County which is desperately needed.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and we take it very seriously. It's a wonderful group of people to work with, and we're really looking forward to what's coming in 2012.
2: Well, I thank you very much for joining us today on Ask a Leader, Silagi, and I uh, wish you a very, very happy new year. And I know you're off to your meeting now. We're going to talk a little bit after this segment about um, the uh, opportunities for uh, for residents for visitors to take a look around at the Orange County collection on display at both that South Coast and all the contemporary sculpture uh, out in the public places around the performing arts and I'll take that up with uh listeners after we're done with Lisa Lisa happy new year to you and good luck in 2012
3: You as well Claudia thank you so much
2: Thank you very much We'll be uh I would like to just take for a little break and then we want to bring up some more of this uh, lovely uh, The offerings that are uh, very well explained in some, uh, with docents from the Orange County Museum of Art that are at the South Coast Plaza. But first, we'll give you a little bit of a breather with some notes. Back with K U C I 80.9 FM in Irvine. And this is Ask a Leader on December twenty-seventh. That's one day after Boxing Day. That's two days into Kwanzaa. And it's the final day of Hanukkah. In keeping with some of the cultural fair, I wanted to uh bring to everyone's attention the really marvelous um display you can see by just walking into South Coast Plaza Don't get too far into there, though. But right uh, above the Nordstrom um, coffee shop there, the coffee purveyor, you can go right into a gallery, and the sanctity of the fine arts can clean you of what's going on outside of that gallery. And it's called On Display in Orange County right now, and it's giving you the background, what we covered last year, this very time, the modern and contemporary sculpture throughout the... um, Performing Arts Area of Costa Mesa. That includes the Noguchi, Isamu Noguchi, California Scenario Sculpture Garden, which I want to say, which Bert Winther Tamaki told us about a year ago, it, during the daytime, is one exhibit, and during the nighttime, it's a completely other kind of exhibit. It's permanent. It's outdoors. The trickiest part is just the parking, folks, but you'll figure that out. And then... Um, you, Enjoy that, and what the on display in Orange County Gallery inside South Coast Plaza also does is to give you an explanation of the preparation of the California Scenario nearby, and it gives you a great deal more about the sculpture around the Performing Arts Center. The outdoors, you can just stroll around there and get a wonderful uh, look at a. Uh, these monster pieces and uh, the delightful docents there. And I I had the pleasure of meeting up with Kathy Dickin, whom maybe I can get on here at some point. Uh, She is uh, in a very engaged way. will talk to you about how uh, each of those oversized sculptures were, where they were put together, how they were taken back apart to be brought to Orange County from all over the world. And it's a real joy and there's also inside the South Coast Plaza that the, the Seegerstrom family commission a stained glass dome ceiling. And I'm not sure if uh, people are looking at that this time of year. There's a lot of holiday decoration below. But if you take a sweep up in the in the jewel court area, this dome ceiling is a really spectacular work of art to behold. And so um, I recommend you swinging by the gallery for those kinds of um, you know insights, explanations, and a relaxation uh, uh, from the, uh, the dizzying commercial experience. And I must say that, as I said, Kathy Dickens' engaging explanation gave me more of an insight. I had no idea with that oversized weatherproof steel, huge sculpture by Richard Serra called Connector. It's a matter, you can interact with it. You can walk right through there, or take your bike through this. I don't know, is it three or four story uh, steel structure and echo and and cavort around there. You're welcome to do that. And those kinds of opportunities are what these docents, these wonderful docents uh, avail us uh, as we're trying to find something interesting to do with a little bit of time that we have on our hands. Well, in we're going to take another little break and then I'd like to talk a bit about what we'll reflect upon Uh, What didn't get finished last year, what started last year and before, and what we need to think about and consider in the the next year. But before that, as I said, we'll take a little break and um, we'll be back shortly.
0: Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on kuci 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also so pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And we are so fortunate today we are going to be interviewing Sergeant Rick Johnson, who has two jobs with the Orange County Sheriff's Department. He is Administrative Sergeant for the Theo Lacey Facility and... He is also the Sheriff's Department's Canine Supervisor, and he's been with the department for 27 years. Rick, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Uh, Thanks, Mari. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, why don't you tell us about that canine division?
1: Well, the department has, uh, has a lot of dogs. They have bomb dogs. They have narcotics dogs. They have bloodhounds who do tracking. But I'm the supervisor of what we call patrol dogs. Uh, patrol dogs are dogs that uh, search for suspects, and they also search for narcotics. Um, we call those, uh, those apprehension dogs, um, where they go out and they apprehend suspects uh, out in the field. They also uh, search for narcotics. They uh, search for evidence, and we have the largest uh, canine unit in the county.
0: I'm, I would imagine they also protect you, right?
1: Yeah. they. Uh, we practice, and they're trained for uh, handler uh, protection also.
0: Well, so how do you choose these wonderful dogs, and, and how do you get them, and are they real expensive? How does that all work?
1: Well, what we do is we have a, uh, a contractor, a trainer out in uh, Riverside. It's called the Adler Horse International. And what we do is we, uh, we go out there. We have a trainer named Dave Reaver. He goes to Europe probably four or five times a year and buys uh, dogs for most of the departments in uh, Orange County or Southern California. Um, the dogs cost approximately, with training, about $15,000. Wow. Um, they come trained and certified. Uh, usually what we get is uh, Belgian Malinois, German Shepherds, and Dutch Shepherds. And then uh, the handlers go through a uh, basic training course with the dogs. Um, most of the cost of the dogs come from uh, donations from the public, from the Sheriff's Advisory Council and private donors.
0: Wow, that's terrific. Well, we're going to have you back next week to talk more about the training and all this exciting. I've seen the the guys in action, and they are wonderful dogs. So we'll have you back again. Okay, Rick?
1: Thank you very much, Mari. Thank Uh, you. You can visit us at ocsd.org if you want to see more.
0: Perfect. Okay, thanks.
3: Hey, this is Dr. Michael Drake, Chancellor of the University of California, Irvine, and you're listening to KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine and over the web at kuci.org. I love Anita Radio,
2: and I love it that I'm getting so much support for what's going on at KUCI and for An Ask a Leader. Well, I wanted to um, reflect now on what. An unwieldy and a meaningful and amazing year we've had. And on my mind for the coming year is are the women, the women of the Arab Spring of all ages and classes. And they've been on the front lines of these amazing rallies. They've been carrying the water folks and they intend to have a greater role in this political process and expanding their influence i'll be watching that and there are some particular guests i would like to peg for uh measuring what's happening because it's very complicated with uh in the amongst the countries in the middle east where the democratic uh imprinting hasn't been uh, a very uh, long-standing process, so we—it's uh, at the early part of this process. So um, the women participating in this is a, a very important um, aspect, and we want to—I uh, want to make sure that we have a, a very uh, well-informed uh, guest talk to where these women are going, who are struggling right now to be heard, to be reckoned with. And speaking of elections. Uh, I'm certainly interested in covering what's going to be going on locally and beyond in our electoral process. And I'll be concerned about the trend that is emerging with various states trying to put out more, legis- to legislate more hurdles, uh, making it more difficult to register to vote and to actually cast a ballot. Now, um Another thing that will I'd like to be watching with you is as this war in Iraq or operation freedom as it's been, as it's referred to by military members um the United States government and civilians we all have a tremendous obligation to see that the veterans get their due and I'm concerned about the issue of health care benefits, both medical and mental uh that That will be a very expensive proposition now the the g i bill was quite generous. And deservedly, uh, in the at the end of World War Two, but it's nothing like what it was then. And so we want to give uh, put the bright lights on what might be the fine print that is chiseling away at how generous we as a society are for people who've been maimed on the sliding scale from the uh, you know a loss of hearing, a loss of balance, to a loss of limbs, to loss of their minds. And so uh, we all have not only an obligation to make sure that the veterans are sufficiently covered with health medical and mental health benefits, we also need to make sure we're finding opportunities to ask them how they're doing these days. I know it's it's not difficult. Um, Sometimes it may be a slogan or something placed nearby will elicit Somebody who's doing business in another capacity to, to post us on the fact that they they are a veteran, and I always like to ask them, well, how are they doing right now? And uh, I want to also get uh, more veterans on the show to talk to how they're organizing in various ways, not only at UCI but around the region, to talk about how their benefits now, not just as I've saying the the medical mental health coverage, but the housing, education. So that they're able to transition. We've been hearing in the media about how their skills in the military haven't t- transferred easily into the uh, civilian workforce. So um, we can all keep uh, keep a lookout for easing all of these men and women back into uh, civilian life, which must it must be inordinately difficult with a, a, a whole change in. I don't mean to say lifestyle in a in a nimble way, but it in a way of conducting oneself uh, from active combat to um, civilian life. So we all have a role to watch and see how these people who see more than we'll ever imagine, we could see ourselves and see them into this very delicate transition. Another item that we'll be watching for, um, I just noticed in uh, today's New York Times about, The trend in concealed weapon ownership. I guess you maybe didn't see I was going to go there. And uh, the restrictions are being eased around the country on gun permits. We'll we'll have a chance, I hope, to talk about that. And uh, the trends in the New York Times article this morning, in fact, we're talking about in the... 20 years ago, it was one state that didn't even require a permit to carry a concealed weapon. Now we have four states that uh, um, allow that. There are other trends, although some gun rights advocates uh, maintain that the world is a safer place with these um, freedoms of uh, packing a concealed one around. Um, there are There's other research that aren't sure that there is a significant change in protection, and some maintain that the data shows that the robberies and homicides are going up, uh, but we need to, you know, get more more observations here to find that out. So um we're we're gonna look and see how that little arms race going on right under our noses is affecting us, how it's being administered. There's um, some lapses that are talked about falling through the cracks in the, the article that's um, covered today in the New York Times and I want to give credit to due to oh it's from Michael Luo Luo and um Want to keep track of that? The another item I wanted to also speak to next year. I spoke very briefly with Professor Wayne Sanhold this last year about drones. I want to talk more with the privacy advocates, uh, Jim Danzinger on the faculty, and other people in this area. Will be able to tell us uh, some more about. I want to look at the sort the non combat use of the drones. This will be important to take up, considering the implications that this has on our domestic and our, uh, and that is to say, civilians, both domestic and abroad, what that means in terms of civil liberties. I think there are inordinate ways that we can be monitored, that uh, we can even wrap our minds around. I know that Mike Kaspar and Nathan Callahan had a a, a back and forth about this about a month ago on Weekly Signals and I want to um, see if we can take up given a good half an hour of taking apart the implications of non-combat use of drones. Then I also want to take up. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'm. We're going to have lined up already for next year. Uh, Henry Korn, who is the cultural director at the Great Park, I. Um, we'll have him next week on, in a pre recorded interview. I'll do later this week. And uh, other cultural fair. I wanted to go explore a bit more into some medical and mental health issues. Uh, Dr. Leonard Sender is an oncologist at UCI. He uh, helps adolescents and young adults survive not only the cancer, but survive their treatment, which is a, a very long term and complicated uh, situation to deal with. So some sometimes those treatments can be what maim the person every bit as much as the, the tumors. And if you're early on in your life being treated for cancer, you want to make sure that your oncologist, like a Dr. Leonard Sender, is mindful of the repercussions of various treatments in terms of your fertility, your um, gastrointestinal f- uh, functioning, and all, all aspects of the body. They have to keep working past the... Uh, cancer treatments i also want to take up more about dementia next year lots more series in the media are covering autism we're going to cover some of that and um i'm uh, i've lined up some interesting work that dr m a wheeler is doing in developmental um early infancy some developmental work in interactions between parent and child marvelous work and uh Dr. Trabzadeh um, I'm sorry, Moskadeh Dr. Trabzadeh is a geriatrician here at UCI, and a colleague of hers Dr. Moskadeh uh, is going to talk in the middle of January to us about elder abuse and I hope we can get uh, she's had um, some PSAs on our radio about uh, elder abuse and we're going to talk to her, she's a terrific uh, public speaker and we'll hear about those either insidious or those um off the the radar kinds of uh transgressions against our seniors who are pretty uh you know vulnerable to that kind of um well abuse and so uh, we'll get a real good information from her well i wanted also to uh take a moment to acknowledge that um again uh, prepared an obituary prepared by paul vitello is uh the commemoration of Lynn Samuels, who died on Christmas Eve at 69. She was a, as they called it, a brash radio talker. Um, I don't have clips for you. I would um, like to, at some point, maybe uh, in the next year, she was holding her own against a wall of brash, conservative, uh, right-wing speech, and she... Held her own. She was fired serially uh, at various radio stations around New York City. But uh, she she went out uh, and in glory. Here, I I don't know that her. I think her last um, broadcast might have been just this last the the last week before she died. And she used to comment on you know being people complained that she sounded just too New York, and she said that she was going to read through that. That she knows when she hears that she's too New York, that it really means that she's too Jewish. And she took them to task for not, you know, not putting up with that and not calling it a spade a spade in so many words. Well, I want to thank everyone for your support, your suggestions, your insights about how we do Ask a Leader here uh, every Tuesday morning. I'm going to continue into winter quarter with Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock and bring you, as I said, some of these guests I've already lined up. And uh, I want to thank all of you very, very much for supporting me in uh, making this kind of content that um, I've learned a great deal from, and I I hope you learned a bit too yourselves. I uh, wish you all an extremely happy new year, and look forward to more suggestions and insights from you in the year coming up. Take care all. Happy new year. سنة فيها <تصفيق> خد بالك عليا دي مش معاملة تعمل بي